Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later. If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move. Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go. I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNertney at Green Ocean Global, we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend. Right, he can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes. And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation. I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out. And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John. Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out. All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. And welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Josh and Kaylee. Each week, they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Let's Move to Portugal, join us as we navigate the labyrinth of changes to the non-habitual residency scheme with the expat financial expert, John McNertney. Tune in for a wealth of insights, personal updates, and a sprinkle of Halloween excitement as we unravel the complexities of financial adjustments in the expat world. Hey, expats and travelers alike, it's Josh and Kaylee, and we are back with another episode at season two, episode three, episode three. All right. Love this new season. Love this new format where we are going to open up and chat with you about what is happening in the world of expats everywhere before getting to the real meat and potatoes, which is our conversation with John McNertney, who's a expat financial expert with Green Ocean Global Advisors. Oh, yes. And lots to talk about right now with the NHR and, and, the, and the recent news. So it's going to be an interesting one. Huh? <laughs> well, I'm sure that, uh, that Kaylee is uh, a bit intimidated by it because she's not too big on the financial stuff. Uh, but we hope that you're not intimidated at home because I think that John and I really try to talk some sense around what is happening with NHR, how it could potentially affect you. Maybe it, it won't affect you, actually, uh, which is something that we get into and what to do if you're wanting to get NHR before the, the window closes. Yes, and I didn't mean to sound so like doom and gloom with yeah, my, you're oh, yes. Oh, but yes. it's just been the topic of conversation ever since the prime minister. What you're saying is we're exhausted talking about well, it. Well, it's not. Ex- it's an exhausting topic because it's kind of ever-changing. Nothing's been passed to legislation yeah. technically. So it's like there's all these unknowns and there's options of things you can do. And then you've got people saying you can't do that and some saying you can do that. And there's, you know 
all sorts of misinformation out on the internet. And so, oh, it's just, it's just a lot. So I think that hopefully this will bring a little clarity to you at home or wherever yeah. you are uh, as you listen. And if you're on that treadmill, on <laughs> that treadmill, listen to the podcast. Uh, hopefully it gets you hyped. NHR and, you know, different options, Let's right? Go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I if, know. Any, if anything, it's treadmill. made people like more motivated to move to Portugal faster. Yes. Right. Because yeah. it's, it's like you have a timeline. It's nine, 10 weeks uh, to go. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. A deadline. Yeah. No, it, it does seem very much like this, um, this decree law was a part of the the budget for 2024. Therefore, if everything passes or most things pass and this decree passes, then that means that it will start at the beginning of 2024, which means that the window closes. Uh, I'm bad with dates. December 31st, 2023. <laughs> yes, there are 31 days in December. You yeah, should know that. That's yeah. Josh's main question. Every month, he's like, are there 30 or 31 days this What's month? What's that like, one with 28 and sometimes <laughs> yeah. 29? Yeah. So there, there's lots to talk about for sure. Yeah. And John, I think you and John have a good conversation about that and, and different ways to set up, uh, set things up, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So let's share a little bit with you about uh, our our life, what's been happening I can tell you this much. We have had a ton of visitors. Yes. It's kind of been a little exhausting in the sense that you get out of routine, right? <laughs> I hope none of them are listening to <laughs> no, that. No, I mean, it's lo- it's lovely having them and we and we love to have people. But you, you, you end up routine, yeah, yeah. getting out of routine, eating out a lot more. Uh, that definitely happens. And then, then it's like, whoa, we have no groceries. Like there's like nothing in our fridge. It looks yeah. like a dude's college dorm fridge or something it does. we've nothing. got condiments condiments and a couple beers in there i think yeah um but there's like no food so it's like ah we need food we just ate the rest of the cheese <laughs> <Yeah>. as well <laughs> okay so we've had some friends and family visiting i mean they're the family's still visiting but we've been producing um more let's say niche pieces uh on on expats everywhere the youtube channel and again, November 2nd is when we break ground on the demolition for the Vertical Community Venture. So that project where we are working on a, a, a renovation redevelopment project in Porto. So we're excited about that. That will go out on the new channel, Let's Get Building with Josh and Kaylee. And I am happy to confirm with you that we spoke with the architect, architect slash engineer, and she's confirmed that we are allowed to... Swing a hammer? Yeah. Swing a sledgehammer. We're yeah. going to be swinging and a banging. <laughs> but that's probably like all the work we'll really do. The, the the other things will be deciding on stuff and then going in and filming what the professionals are doing. Yes, we are not professionals. Uh, but I am excited too, like when they lay out the different materials or the different, like when we're choosing things for the bathroom, like the, the style of toilet and sink and that stuff. I am excited about that, yep. getting to choose those. But – in the immediate future for you all to see is us breaking some stuff, right? Yep. And, <laughs> and the reason that we're doing it on November 2nd is because November, November 1st is a holiday. It is All Saints Day, which means that there's another holiday before that. Yeah, uh, Halloween, Halloween, yes. Um, I think we mentioned that a little bit last week. Halloween is coming up. It's, you know, you see a lot of the the decorations around yeah, in different stores. Yeah, see it a lot now. But it's not uh, not as big as in the U.S. or maybe no. some other countries. But the, the kiddos get dressed in, the, in costumes, and that's an exciting thing. My parents are the family members visiting that Josh referenced, and my mom and dad brought a costume for Valencia. She's really into yep. Paw Patrol right now, so it's Sky. 
and she's been Sky's wearing, the name of the, the Sky dog. Sky's the name of the, uh, the dog, the dog yeah, the dog character. Um, and she she flies. She's got like yeah. a helicopter and stuff. So yeah. Valencia has been wearing that that outfit, or parts of it at least, for nonstop for a couple days. Except for at school today. We told her not at school this time. She can wear it. They get to wear it at school on Halloween day. So on okay. the 31st, she can wear the full getup, but... She loves it. And she didn't get to experience it last year because we were traveling. Yeah, we were out of town. Well, we did do it. We got in in the evening and then quickly went to a party. But she I didn't mean, get to go to school. school. Yeah, she yeah. didn't get to go to school. Yeah. So so it'll be different this year. But, yeah, Halloween, it, it, it happens here. But it's not as big as other places for sure. Right. Okay. So the meat and potatoes. Um, we are so grateful that John could join us on this podcast as we really wanted something that was um, – current, right? We, we, we needed something current about NHR. We did put out a video on the YouTube channel with Fresh Portugal about NHR, but you know that was a very like neat and tidy video. I think it was uh, 15 minutes or so, but John and I really get to hash things out for, uh, what was it, about an hour? I think I, you guys I, are pretty long, yeah. We went, we went long. Um, valuable insights though, for sure. Yeah, he was providing much more valuable insights than I was. I think I was just what? trying. What? He was the financial advisor? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I was trying to give more kind of commentary of what the sentiment is and just maybe have some opinions on what's happening more than anything, which I think and I hope will be valuable to you at home or on the treadmill. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, I think there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of panic. Um a lot of emotion that's kind of getting tied into all of this. And I felt like it was probably good to just talk that through with somebody and see him being an expert, just see what his personal opinion was on the matter. I mean, he gives facts. Okay. But it, it's I think it's good to talk about, okay, what's your opinion? Personally, why do you, yeah, why do you think this here. is happening? Yeah, because he's you here in Portugal too. Is this something that is going to be long-term or is it something that could be – uh, a few years, and then the Portuguese government's like, wait a second. Lock it back. <laughs> yeah, we, we actually get into that. So hope oh, you enjoy that. the suspense is killing me. Let's get into it. <laughs> Worldpost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone. And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month. Here's a cool feature they have. World Post can relay things from the U.S. to Europe. So that includes documents. <laughs> Amazon purchases. Amazon the purchases. US. <laughs> and you can get it to Portugal. And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters, and things like that. I bet you love that junk mail filter. Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters. <laughs> She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below. Okay, let's talk about Lusitana Dreams because what they're offering is really great. Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dreams since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and, and choke point of the proof of accommodation because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the, like the long-term people have had problems with, right? 
Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location and a livable location until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live. And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of, of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using. Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money. Yep, Lusitano Dreams offers visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast. Yeah, which is really exciting. So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. John, thanks so much for joining us as we're going to take a deep dive into the news that was dropped on us about two weeks ago, having to do with NHR, having to do with what feels very much like a fire sale. We're going to talk some facts for sure, hopefully give some good pointed recommendations, but also for those that care, we're also going to give our feelings and our opinions on what's happening both with the idea of of giving some something concrete for people to latch on to, but also uh, a pulse of what's happening just here in Portugal, because it might be difficult to feel what's happening uh, from abroad. So, John, thanks for joining us. Let's chat NHR, man. Let's chat hey. financial planning. What's up, Josh? Yeah, it is uh, certainly an interesting month. I don't think anybody expected this to be the big topic of discussion this month, no. but now it's here and it's in our lap. No, like, it's what crazy. A, yeah. the, the weather was absolutely stunning early October, and it was yeah. uh, the perfect time to be outside and enjoying that. Uh, but then we get hit with this, and then we're glued to our computers and, <laughs> and devices, figuring out what's next, trying to help people figure out what's next. So Yeah, that is a fact. Get, I was on the beach on October the 2nd, and I was just looking at the, uh, at the horizon thinking, good God, it's just so nice. This is going to be a great end to the year. We'll sail into 2024. And then Antonio Costa goes on TV on October the 2nd on that same day. Yes, like, sir. What? Yeah, so from from my perspective, because I haven't done a massive like deep dive into this because it's not really what what we do, right? Like we, we don't try to get too political, but this obviously has uh, immigration ramifications. But on October 2nd, he went on a, a CNN town hall and mm -hmm. just very candidly dropped the news that they were planning to drop NHR. Right. Right. And so this was Antonio Costa, uh, for those of our listeners that like haven't been following every step like we have. Antonio mm -hmm. Costa, the prime minister. Yeah. And he just goes yes. on to a CNN town hall and says, oh, and by the way, NHR no longer makes sense, really, the way that it used to make sense. And so we're going to phase it out in 2024. And we're here yeah. in October. So that's two months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. When, I mean, when when the news got announced, we we basically had a, a few months really to have people go from maybe zero to registering for NHR, which mm -hmm. I mean, if anyone knows anything about Portugal and bureaucracy here, 
it's it's not a small task. No, it's, it's not possible. a small task. Yeah, it certainly is possible. And then uh, we had last week on October the 10th, the state budget was presented and they showed us that not only is it possible, but indeed, like if they accept the budget budget proposal that was put forward, it's going to happen. It's, it's it's definitely going to happen in mm. in the next three months. Yeah. So uh, let's yeah. let's jump on that in just a second. But I, I wanted to ask you because you know way better than I do in terms of how to explain it. Uh, what is NHR? Oh, so the non habitual residency uh, that, that's what NHR stands for is a tax uh, uh, status that you can apply for as a foreigner that has not lived in Portugal for the last five years. So you haven't been habitually living here in fi- in the last five years. And that includes like every kind of person, not just Americans, of course, but other Europeans and even Portuguese, Portuguese. people yeah. Yeah, that want to come home and they haven't lived here in the last five years. And so during, um, so you apply for the status, you get 10 years of NHR coverage. And during that 10 years, you are uh, capped in recognition of your um, your 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 Portuguese taxes at ten percent for foreign income and twenty percent for high value income that you earn in Portugal, and so ten and twenty percent versus their standard progressive rates, which you know are like forty eight percent for individuals that make more than seventy five thousand a year. So that's a huge bonus. Yeah, and if you're planning around it like I do with clients every single day, it's a it's a major factor in how your cash sure. flow is going to work. So yeah, absolutely. And it was a program started in 2012 and really had its last major change in I think it was 2020, 2020, mm-hmm. 2021, where right. uh pensions started to be taxed at 10% as opposed to zero. Is that correct? Exactly. When I when I first arrived in 2019, this this guy sat me down and he was like, you know, there's this thing called NHR. And it's like it went to 10% and it's been zero. It's almost no money that you're going to pay on foreign pensions. How great mm-hmm. is that? Yeah. So the the cool thing about when that happened back then, although raising from zero to 10% is never cool. Um, the cool thing that did happen is that people were grandfathered in. So not to hit the panic button for those that already have NHR status, uh, but those were grandfathered in. And as far as I know, the kind of grandfathering in of of this type of of situation is part of the Portuguese constitution. Yeah. Uh, that, that I don't, that I don't okay. know. I, I don't know if it's part okay. of the constitution. I mean, most governments do this so they don't, uh, you know, <laughs> piss off everybody yeah. when they make huge changes like this, even the U S you know, when they change social security, uh, uh, access for, for different age groups, they, yeah. they, they don't change the people that are already, you know, receiving their benefits. Yeah. Okay. So for further context, why is this such a huge shift to remove or no longer have the NHR program after, you know, it's, it got started in 2012. We're now talking about coming up to the end of 2024, 2023 rather. Uh, why is this such a huge shift or change? Well, I mean, when you think about what Antonio Costa said, that this mm-hmm. no longer makes sense. Well, then you have yeah. to think about why it made sense and, yeah. and why after like, you know, this last 11 years, yeah. would it no longer make sense? It's a big shift because it was doing what it was supposed to, which is bringing a massive amount of attention and money and talent into Portugal. And, yeah. you know, the country needs it because it's, uh, you know, it, it was introduced originally to address 
a, a huge recession that the world went through, but but really slammed Portugal in 2008, 2009. Mm. And it has been totally successful because it brought in all that foreign capital and that foreign talent. And so that's my issue with his statement is, uh, do we do we need less talent and less money to be attracted here now? Like, that's that's an interesting statement. And so it is a huge factor. If if the conversations that I'm having with Americans are any indication, it is going to cause a lot of people to rethink whether they want to be here, whether they want to stay home, or you know, do they want to go to Greece or Cyprus or some other country that has a great uh, program? Yeah, I mean, what what are your initial thoughts? Do you think that there will be uh, a lot of people that in 2024 no longer choose Portugal because of simply because of tax? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I know some same. people who are definitely slamming the brakes. <laughs> yeah, same. Well, I think it's a combination of factors as well. You you have the change that happened last year around this time with the, the D7 and the D8 visa. So the D7 visa being for, for passive income. I mean, now in its current iteration, uh, it's known for passive income versus the D8 being active income. Mm-hmm. Back before that change was made, like you could actually have active income and it would still count towards this this uh, quote unquote retiree visa, this D7 visa, um, mm-hmm. which in a way is like how Kaylee and I moved here. I mean, we, we had right. jobs, but we did show that we had income from rental properties in the US. Um, it was enough to get us over here. And then they made this change. But not only was the change made, the threshold of income was raised. So right. instead of asking for people to be making essentially the Portuguese minimum wage and showing that in their passive income, now they wanted 4x, like four times the amount of passive income, or or I shouldn't say passive income here, I should say the minimum wage, 4x the minimum wage uh, for the active income side. So mm-hmm. in my mind, it's like now you're wanting to bring people that have even more money into the country. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't so- necessarily add up. You're talking about the D8 now, right? The D8, yeah. Yeah. Digital the nomad D8. visa. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, the D8 is really interesting because it's so different than the D7 on, on so many levels because yeah. it's like easier to get if you have that 4X income, uh, but yeah. then it also doesn't require you to become a tax resident. It, it doesn't. So it's it's really a totally different ballgame when we're talking D8 versus D7. I still think that D7 is going to be the main um, you know, immigration route for for most Americans. And mm. I think it'll be, I think it'll be fine. Also, uh, you remember what the minimum wage here is, right? Because it's not, when we're talking about minimum it's wage, high. it's yeah. not super high. I don't remember what it is right now, but it's, it's I think surprisingly it's seven, low. I think it's 760 uh, per month. Now, some debate whether that's uh, 760 times 12 or 760 times 14, because uh, in Portuguese companies, right. there's two extra pay periods, one in the summer, uh, one around Christmas. Like I guess as a bonus, if you will, yeah. but yeah, the the minimum wage is not high, and therefore most retirees would um, would qualify for it because you know social security or their pensions are going to be at least that. Otherwise, you're not surviving in the U.S. Well, right. I mean, seven sixty times fourteen, just the math is ten thousand, right? Ten thousand yeah. six hundred and forty euros which exchange rates are great right now so that's almost eleven thousand dollars so if you're not making eleven thousand dollars and you're planning to retire in a foreign country like you've got some some chutzpah like that's a pretty bold 
approach. And so, yeah, that's not a lot of money that you have to make yeah. um, to, to satisfy the D7 route. So yeah. not a problem. Okay. Not a problem. Uh, here's an aside. Personal recommendation. Do not come to Portugal thinking you can live off of the Portuguese minimum wage as a foreigner. And I'm not saying that there's a, a hidden foreign tax. It's just that our um, our standard of living as an American, let's say, is just different than to what the Portuguese are used to. And also, they know how to you know, weave the, the, the society here. They know how to shop cheaper than we do. They know how to, you know, cut back in certain areas where you might not be used to doing that. So I would imagine that the point of moving abroad for people that are wanting to retire abroad would be to live a better lifestyle. So I would not recommend Portugal if you're, if you're only on the minimum wage. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I think some people are definitely wanting to retire and live in like the Algarve and, uh, you know, drink champagne more frequently. They want that champagne lifestyle on a beer budget. And it's possible, but your point is well made because if you want to live cheap, you're going to have to, to, to live cheaply the way that you would have back in back home. Like you want to live in Iowa in the middle of nowhere, but you Mm -hmm. can probably pay very little on a daily basis to live. And you could do the same thing here in Portugal, but you're not going to live in Lisbon uh, and, and go out to eat every day. That that is a fact. Unless okay, yeah. So a bit of speculation here, a bit of opinion. Although you know, there's some sprinkling of of truth, I guess, and of what Costa and his party have said is that the reason that they wanted to get rid of this NHR program was largely due to the housing crisis that Portugal is experiencing and uh, in, inflation numbers when it comes to kind of general cost of living putting pressure on you know regular portuguese citizens as well as honestly any resident here we're all feeling it uh this is not too dissimilar to what's happening in the rest of europe so i mean is it a moot point that he brings that stuff up mm, i don't know what's your opinion on that do you think that it's like hey hey my man uh everything is going up across europe so we can't yeah. just blame foreigners bringing more money in well, yeah, I mean, this is uh, it's such a hot topic to try to unpack, but like your 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 point That's is well made. That's why we're doing it. That's why we're doing it. Now, <laughs> politicians have to address things that are hot, right? I mean, this is why politics have gotten so contentious in the U.S. is they're not like playing to the fact set; they're playing to the fears and the aspirations of their of their people. Yeah, and people are seeing inflation come up and come up and come up onto them, and they're not making enough money to feel good with it. They're all feeling like they're struggling. Hmm. And so the politicians have to provide React. some yeah, reaction to that. They, hmm. That's their job, uh, unfortunately, is, is to, to read the room. <laughs> and their reading on the room is the room wants to hang somebody out to dry. And that's always more con- uh, convenient, isn't it? And Because if you look at the numbers, the core numbers don't really support that foreigners are what are driving inflation higher. And they're right. not driving the, the housing problem uh, primarily. There's a lot of wealthy Portuguese people who are taking their money back into the country and they're buying lots of investment property, the high-end property. And yeah. I know that uh, some foreigners are doing that as well, but foreigners also are not buying the same kinds of properties um, as Portuguese people are. Like yeah. there are a lot of Portuguese people that want to live right on the Atlantic Ocean in Nazaré in a big fancy house 
Right. That's that's not an aspiration for a Portuguese person. That's an aspiration for an American or for a French person. And so, like, is that really like doing anything to the the housing stock in general here? Correct. Like, I don't I, think it. Yeah. Yeah. That that's my perception. I think the other thing is as we're as we're talking about this, and I'm kind of processing uh, these thoughts myself. I think what we're seeing is is capital driven, and I don't mean capital in terms of money. I mean like Lisbon. Mm-hmm. I think that there are issues in Lisbon that politicians are reacting to, thinking that the whole country is experiencing the same problems when we know Lisbon's numbers have gone bonkers in terms of the housing costs there, uh, the pressure it's putting on mm-hmm. the the local person. But the same can't be said for you know the smaller towns and villages of of Portugal. Like mm-hmm. the housing costs there haven't risen to the same levels of what we've seen in Lisbon. But you have politicians who are based in Lisbon. They've got people in their ear a lot. I mean, I'm sure like if you're Costa, Costa trying to walk down the street, um, you're having people shout stuff at you that have Lisbon problems that might not have uh, full-on mm-hmm. Portugal problems. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And um, I mean, that that's probably a big factor. I mean, and there also is this kind of populist moment that is going on in, in the world yeah. that we can't ignore from yeah. Le Pen in France to, you know, what we've been experiencing in the United States with Trump. Um, and so there is a populist mes- uh, feeling yeah. that's going around. And so, you know, it, it's it's red meat to the to the constituency when you can say, you know what, it's the foreigners. We're going to take some measures that are going to curb um, these indulgences. Yeah. that that they're able to um to take advantage of yes you know that was the other part of that that press conference uh or the cnn piece on october the 2nd he mm-hmm. went on to then say you know we understand that foreigners have been able to unfairly mm-hmm. take part in in uh advantages yeah that was that was part of the statement they said you yeah. know foreigners are experiencing all these benefits and they have not paid into the social security program um and they're not paying the same taxes as us so we're going to we're going to help everybody out. It's going to get better. That's what politicians have to say, right? Yeah, which it, which it's so it's so interesting because okay, yeah. Uh you want to tax foreigners more, fine. Not tax foreigners more in terms of like more than locals, but tax them more in terms of getting them up to what locals are paying in taxes. I wanted to right. clarify that. Uh but it's like, hey, we're not going to ask the foreigners to pay what you're paying, or we we now are going to do that, but we're not going to lower your taxes. Do you know well, what I'm saying? They're, like they're, the well, offset. That's interesting, though, Josh, because they are talking about reducing taxes too. They're, they're talking they're, about yeah, it. Yeah, they haven't done it. <laughs> yeah, well, they did raise minimum wages, so they're trying to do everything at once. They, yep. They're just like we are in the yep. United States. They're trying to push all the buttons and pull yep. all the levers at the same time, and mm-hmm. they're just going to get as much as they can from that. Uh, and that's what's giving it sort of this panicked feeling too. Yes. I, I see them going like, okay, let's just, let's push all the brakes that we can. And then nobody can complain about the government because the government's worried about staying We're in trying power. to do, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah, and, totally. And, Elections yeah, coming so up next year. Right. It's, it's an election year. And so they're yeah. like, let's push back on every conceivable front. Yeah. Let's, and then let's talk about it every day. <laughs> so that's that's why they're having all these press conferences and they're eating up all of the oxygen in the room talking about this stuff. They just they want everybody to see that they're doing something about the problems. That's that's politics. It so. is. 
And okay, so something interesting you touched on there was um, you know pushing all the buttons. Some of the other buttons that have been pressed, I or, and levers that have been pulled, I have been very positive about. I think that they're talking about changing some of the the tax um, percentages for a logemental locale, which is the mm -hmm. the short term rentals versus what a um, a long term accommodation landlord would have to pay in taxes for the profits uh, or revenue that they make off of their rental uh, so that there's some balance there. Because I think that the percentages are, without seeing the numbers in front of me, I think ALs pay like 7% in tax and long-term is either 23 or 28, somewhere in that range. But it's it's counterintuitive that the numbers are what they are. You would think mm -hmm. that long-term rentals would be incentivized and you would have a lower uh, percentage of income um, or percentage of the revenue paid in taxes for that versus the, the amount of money that people can make off of these long, uh, short-term rentals is insane. Mm -hmm. Like It's absolutely it, nuts. It, yeah. it has incentivized people to buy a property, put it on the short-term market because they can just make more money off of it, both from a tax perspective but also from a per night perspective yeah i mean i'm from san francisco as you know and uh we had this problem you mm -hmm. know like for for god for like 15 years uh since the beginning of airbnb there was the same exact story is foreign investors coming in and buying up properties they never intended to live in yeah and then offering them up as a short-term rental and all of the effects of that Right. Yep. Like it's dis it's disruptive. It's disturbing if you're a neighbor and you have to see all of these, you know, these parties being held by by yep. people you don't know. And maybe you're trying to raise your family in this neighborhood and all of a sudden there's all these short term rentals popping up. It's a problem. Yeah. And so I feel like they are not totally un unjustified in seeking some solutions to some some problems that uh, could get worse um, if they don't do something about it. Like San Francisco have ultimately cracked down on it. And I think it's to the good. Yeah, I actually had an Airbnb. I, yeah. <laughs> I owned a property and I and I bought out the property next door. I, I'm, you know, I was part of the problem for a minute because it, <laughs> but it, but it hurts the market because I did it because it, I had to because San Francisco got progressively more and more expensive yeah. in insane ways. And so mm -hmm. then I felt like I had to actually play the game, right? Yeah. It, don't hate the player, play the play the game. And that's maybe what the Portuguese are trying to address is curbing some of these unnatural markets that form um, around, you know, the the incentives of having an Airbnb. So, yeah, I tried to crazy. read up some I tried to read up some stats on like what Airbnb in terms of as an industry, what it has done to real estate prices and. The numbers I were seeing were, were pretty low in terms of how much it forced prices up, almost to the point where it, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel like it could be accurate. But I don't know. I mean, you, you know what? what's often said is numbers don't lie. But in this mm -hmm. case, it's like they're the ones that are are kind of putting out the study. I don't they didn't conduct it, but you know what I'm saying? Like that, is maybe that, they yeah. maybe they found one that worked for the, their narrative and they put it out. But it does. Because I think like, numbers numbers lie a lot. Like if, if you've heard yeah, the saying, there's there's good. lies, damned lies, and statistics. Good, like people okay. people cherry pick data all the time. I mean, you well, want to talk about yeah. And and that's just it. It's the cherry picking of data. So I think what what I notice about Lisbon as a market specifically is that when you analyze a property as an investment, 
it doesn't make sense or at least until up until about 20 mid 2021 it did not make sense at all on the long term market because what you could ask for in rent whereas the short term market it made sense all day to pay a higher price for that property right right so you would have mm-hmm. investors come in and snatch it up with the dreams of making a higher profit margin by you know listing it uh on the short term rental market but then came the higher prices on the long term market you right. have you have this massive shortage, which is forcing up prices. You have more foreigners coming in that are able and willing to pay these higher prices for you know your monthly rentals, and it has caused an absolute mess. Yeah, it's chaos, and and you add that to the fact that the property market here is fairly opaque, you know, versus the United States where you can jump onto the MLS, yeah, right, the multiple listing service for any address in the United States. Here, like you look on Idealista and the prices are largely aspirational yes. because nobody knows what properties in any neighborhood are really going for except the realtors. Mm. And so when you have the realtors controlling the market instead of just like the, the pure flow of data, like we have in the United States, it's, uh, it's hard to trust. It, you just don't know what the real price uh, is. Yeah. I think one good bit of advice that I heard in terms of, and I actually can't remember who I heard it from, um, when it comes to valuation of properties here in Portugal, is -hmm. try to figure out what bank has done the most loans in that area. They tend to have the best data, right? Because they're seeing the sale price of, of each you know, each place in like a geographical area. So they'll have kind of the, a better idea of like, is it a good deal or a bad deal? But it, right. it's hard to get that information. Okay, jumping back to NHR, uh, something that I saw um, in terms of the numbers of people that have NHR in Portugal, this is stats from 2022, right? Uh, the Seth website shows that around 800,000 foreigners are living in uh when I say foreigners, I mean like foreign residents, because you could have a foreigner that has moved here and then taken up like citizenship. Mm-hmm. They're still a foreigner, but they're a citizen as well. You know what I mean? But in okay, terms- so that so you think that a citizen, somebody that's been naturalized here, is still mm-hmm. considered a foreigner or, or not? I don't. Okay, so if you if you go on to like Wikipedia, for example, it might uh-huh. say that there are 1.1 million foreigners living in Portugal, right? Okay. I don't know where they're getting that data from. Yeah. Seth's website, which is uh, going to be IMA pretty soon, they're changing yeah. their name, restructuring. But but Seth is the Foreign and Border Services, uh, so similar to our border immigration uh, as well. They're saying that there's around 800,000 foreigners. And of that 800,000 foreigners, um, at least in 2021, not 2022, uh, there's 57,000 887 people benefiting from NHR. Okay. Okay. So that's not a huge percentage of foreigners that are actually benefiting from this tax regime. Yeah. What, what, what was the total number of foreigners? 800, 800,000. Yeah. Yeah. And and so 850, yeah, that's less than 10%. It's it's less than 10%. Right. It's less than 10%. Think about that. That's not a lot of people. No. And to the extent that they're benefiting from it, they're not right. just like running away with the bank. Like you're right. still paying taxes. And a lot of the folks that I'm helping that have NHR, um, it's giving them a, a nice benefit, but it's just, it's not, uh, they're not getting away free. They're still paying a lot of taxes. So it is, 
pretty weird. Yeah, it, it's not a it's not a big impact. I don't think if you look at the numbers. Did you happen to see Costa's quote on on the numbers that uh, that Portugal was missing out on because of people with NHR status? No, did you? Do you have that quote? I want to. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up, man. I want to see that because so, he probably overstated it wildly <laughs> because because he can. He it's, he definitely misrepresented it, and and I know that we're two foreigners having a a go with the at Portuguese politicians, and we're not necessarily having a go. We're just raising some questions as well as eyebrows that if you're listening to this, you can't see, but eyebrows are raised. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to pull up this number. So it was in the like high millions, which yeah. would make a dent to the the budget. But essentially, he was saying that um, foreigners were costing Portugal X. Mm-hmm. But really, what he's what he means is is that Portugal's missing out on X revenue because they have NHR and therefore they're not able to tax people like the full amount that a regular Portuguese tax citizen would be be paying. The -hmm. problem is, I'm like, my guy, you wouldn't have these people here if you didn't have NHR. So the fact that you're getting anything, it's better (laughs) than zero. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I know. It's it's classic, uh, you know, cherry picking of the situation. You want to complain about what the benefit you're not getting. But you're getting a benefit. It's like when I give my kids cookies and they're like, you know, there's a bite out of this one. And I'm like, you know, I know your brother ate some of the cookie, but you have a cookie now. So why don't you look at, you know, 60% of, of what you have. It's better than 0% of something that you never had to begin with. Right. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. But, he, but again, he's spinning it, right? He's, yep. he's spinning it. And I went on to uh, Publico, um, which is one of their, you know, one of their, their newspapers. It's one of the largest national newspapers. And I like to read the comments section. Because you can see the kind of internet trolls having this this dialogue, and just like in the United States, you know those those comment sections are full of people that would never say things like this out loud if you met them in person, but right. they are like voicing a certain kind of concern, level of concerns, and they're like, you know, he's right. They're, these people piss me off. Like, there's all mm. this this tax money that that could be going back into Portugal that these people are keeping for themselves. And yeah. so again, he's playing to his base. He's playing to a very real fear that might or might not, you know, have basis in fact. But that's what politics is. It's it's not fact. It's it's yeah. what people believe, Perception. and a lot of people are yeah. worried worried about that. Yeah, <clears throat> I just I just pulled the headline. Okay, so translated into English because this is uh, on this is on CNN Portugal's site. So the articles are in Portuguese, but you can get them translated. So the headline is. 50 non-habitual residents cost the state 430 million euros in 2022. Yeah. 50? 50. So he, he, he was choosing the top 50 in terms of like the wealthiest 50 that are on NHR to uh, highlight how much uh, tax benefit, I guess, that they were, uh, that they were receiving. But the problem is, is he's spinning that as a cost to the state when that doesn't cost the state. Yeah. The cost of the state is, you know, in, in my, in my mind, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this because, because you're a financial head and I'm not. So cost to me would be, let's take the sum of 
the cost of running the social welfare system, divide it by the number of people who receive that benefit, and there you have your per capita cost, like how much each individual costs the budget, right? Yeah. Is that is that a fair way of doing it? <laughs> Does it seem fair to you? I, I mean, it, it, it seems... I, I don't think that seems... Yeah, that seems wildly unfair. I mean, can you imagine going back into the US and looking at like the 50 wealthiest Americans that, mm. that, that take advantage of some, you know, some tax cut that, that the Bush tax cuts put in place? Mm. The estate tax, right? The, the, the Bush administration put the estate tax exemption up to $10 million. Hmm. $10 million, okay? So if you have $10 million and you pass away, you leave it to your kids at zero tax where it was, it was a million before those, those tax cuts went into place. Okay. <laughs> okay. If you wanted to take the same approach that Costa is taking, you could say, you know, the top 50 people that passed away and left money to their kids in 2022, because of these tax cuts, we have been cheated out of X dollars. And you can imagine hundreds of millions of dollars are probably being passed from one generation to the next and yep. receiving the benefit of not 10, but 20 Per couple, twenty million in exemptions. If they'd been taxed fifty percent on eighteen million dollars, that's like nine million. It's, it's, yeah, nine million. A per, it's inconceivable numbers yeah. that we have been apparently deprived of. Right, right. And so people right. make these kinds of arguments because it right. sounds so hard hitting. Like, mm. oh my God, look at all the money these people have been stealing from the public. The public must be satisfied. Mm. <laughs> and so that's how they get people excited um, yeah. about Speak supporting them. Speaking yeah. of inheritance tax, am I correct to say that there's no inheritance tax in Portugal? There's no inheritance right? tax. Yeah. yeah. There has like not been, personally. nor will there be. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's why, I mean, and that's actually an interesting topic, uh, Josh, is, is like, what are the benefits that remain? Because yeah. like, I, I want to dig in on that. what's being taken away. Exactly. Exactly. There's still lots of good things. And 100%. I've, and I've, and I, you know, I do this every day. Like we're mm -hmm. talking about like broad-based economics here. But just yep. as a reminder, that's not what I do every day. I help people one-on-one. -on -one. Yep. And people's personal Micro. economy? Yeah. The personal economy does not ever reflect perfectly like the macro picture. Yep. The yep. macro let's, picture is what these politicians are trying to deal with, and it's so hard. Yeah. And let's transition away from that. Let's let's talk about what this means to the listener. So what are, what are benefits... Uh, Let's start with what are the monetary benefits that remain, and then we can talk about some of the uh, maybe the uh, intrinsic benefits that people will get, mm -hmm. non-monetary benefits that people will get living here. So yeah. what do we know that is still going to be in place um, after this announcement was made on the second? There was a little bit of a walking back saying, okay, things might change. Um, we, we might institute this other thing that to a certain class of people will still be a tax benefit. And then also I have a personal opinion that the, that this NHR shutdown is not going to last very long. I think it's going to be very similar to what happened with Spain when they um, started taxing, when they took away that their tax regime that was similar to NHR. And it was like mm -hmm. two years later, they brought it back. So yeah. hit us with it. Oh man. You know, this reminds me of when people want to buy a house and then they realize that there's some like, you know, there's some benefits, some tax benefits that go away. And then like, they're like, do I want to buy this house or not? And yeah. so the question is, do you still, did, did you originally just want to move? Did you want to buy this new house for, for tax benefits? Did you want to move to Portugal because you were going to be taxed uh, four or $5,000 less per year? 
if that was the make or break, then that's such a hard conversation. Yeah. Um, so, so, I mean, number one, it's still an amazing place to live. Um, both, you know, from a personal standpoint, the people are amazing. The country's amazing. The weather's amazing. So let's just get that out of the way. It's just, you know, it's my favorite place. Um, but, uh, it's also going to continue to be the case that uh, it enjoys universal healthcare. Right. And so for Americans that I've been doing planning for four years, they have to worry if they retire at 57, that they've got seven more years before Medicare, where they're going to have to pay out of pocket for extremely expensive health care. Right. And so that's why you're paying higher taxes as a Portuguese national, is you have universal health care. So you're not going to be paying as much in any way, shape or form for health care. And then you, um, you, know, you, you have the cost of living which if you go to uh, the metropolitan regions is arguably not a huge cost savings uh, in 2023. Lisbon is getting, getting more expensive. Um, but if you want to live in you know, some of the, the, the less uh, cosmopolitan regions, which I would argue is, is it's just as pleasant to live in Coimbra or Sesimbra, uh as it is to live in Lisbon, um, then you're going to get a super uh, discount to your day-to-day life. Um, and then, as you said, there's no, right. there's no, uh, there's no death tax. Um, I mean, you're going to be continuing to pay taxes as a U.S. citizen, anyways. And so, if your income is not that high here, you still got to just run the numbers and see what does the death of NHR really do to your, to your, to your numbers? Because a lot yeah. of people have been rerunning their financial plans, and it doesn't actually hit them as hard as they thought. They just, okay. you know, they thought that it was everything was going to be hunky dory, and now it's not. And so now they're sort of um, panicking a little. Sure. Is is there a certain like income threshold that you've seen where it's like, okay, if people are making less than this, then the impact's not that big? Yeah. I mean, I think, gosh, you know, there was a, there was a guy I helped out of the state of Washington uh, that was a restaurateur that had been uh, successfully running Michelin star restaurants. And he was, but he was dirt poor still. Because apparently, yeah, being a restaurateur, you know, people complain about, yeah, it's a hard business. Mm. And he was like, you know, people complain about that corkage fee, but that's like the only way that I make some extra money is selling Mm. wine. Anyways, so he wants to retire here and he's like, I'm going to be making about $40,000 a year from a small pension and a social security. Okay. And so for a a person making $40,000 a year from social security and a pension, like you're going to be paying something like four to six thousand dollars more per year. That's not huge. Okay. On the other hand, if you're making like eighty, ninety, a hundred thousand um, dollars as an individual, then it's going to start costing you a lot more, being being okay. taxed at standard rates. So, like, that's two different kinds of people. Like, social yeah. security people are are like a, a definite class of people that are coming. Can I can I touch on that real quick, just to kind of maybe make some sense of what that difference is? Uh, so you were saying uh, it would be a four to six thousand dollar or euro extra that someone mm-hmm. would pay. Yeah, that would very likely be someone's uh, medical costs, right? They're like costs per month to stay in the U.S., right? Their insurance per, costs per year, probably. Yeah. Right. Per on on an annual basis, um, yeah. your average American definitely pays. Uh, what what is that number? I, I do this when I do you know 
discrete financial plans. I show people yep. what that number is, but I can't yeah. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But it is. It's like four four to six thousand dollars at a minimum for, okay. for healthcare. Yeah. So it in a sense it could be like almost like that's a wash, and then you just have to decide do you want to live in sunny Portugal, mm-hmm. new culture, access to Europe, uh friendly people, you know, or you know, remain stable um in the US with with what you know. Right. Do you, do you remember what you said earlier, Josh? I think this was before we started, uh, we, we hit record. You're yeah. like, I think Portuguese people don't have a problem with living cheap. No, you just said that about five yeah. minutes ago. Yeah. And yeah. it's true because when you first get here, yes, you know, it's like, it's more expensive. Just, it's more expensive because you're mm-hmm. trying to like, you know, continue on the same lifestyle that you led before you came here. Mm-hmm. And so that American hedonic treadmill didn't yeah. turn off like the minute you got here. You're like, where's yeah. my Costco? And yeah. maybe I should subscribe to some like, you know, uh some private health club, you know, that that feels like my LA fitness in yeah. LA. And <laughs> and yeah, so you keep going out and buying these expensive services. You know, yeah. and then if you did a follow-up with somebody like three years later, because this has definitely been the case for my family, is mm. it's like I dropped the expensive health club. Like yeah. I dro- I dropped Sorry, expensive health club. If you're listening, I, I loved you. Uh, but you realize that those are not the quality of life items that you thought they were. So mm. it'll get it gets cheaper. Yeah. So you can enjoy uh, a greatly reduced uh, cost of living if you, you know, you make was it Homes Place? <laughs> no, it was oh, okay. worse than, than Homes Place. I'm from San Francisco and I was like, oh, you know, let's get a personal trainer. Let's let's make that a part of your life now. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So I, okay. I, I stepped back from that. Um, and so uh, yeah, for the listener, Homes Place is a let's say a, a more high high end uh, gym in Porto, Lisbon. There might be one or two other locations outside of those cities, um, but it's it's a nice gym. It's definitely one of the more expensive gyms that you oh, could yeah. uh, get a membership to. Kaylee and I, we we publish every year. Now we're three years going. We'll do another one uh, this coming year. We we publish a video around the same time every year where we track our expenses to the euro uh, for the whole month. And then we just put it out in a video like, guys, here's what we spent. And we have seen some changes as we as we get a bit wiser in terms of what can we cut back on? What can we like, where can we shift our money to? Uh, mm-hmm. And then how our cost of living is affected. Now, for sure, in 2023, when we did this, uh, our cost of living rose a bit but we also cut back on certain things and therefore it looked like it stayed about the same as the year before do you know what i mean but certain line items went up a bit groceries went up maybe 10 12 percent or whatever um fortunately and this is different than people that are trying to move now is our housing is still at like 28 2019 2020 prices but you bought right you you bought a place so you stabilized that well, no, yes and no. So currently we're renting and we're also paying a mortgage. We're paying a mortgage on a, uh, a housing development that we're currently uh, developing, but we can't live right. in it until it's finished. So that'll right. be finished uh, quarter to 2025. So yeah, I mean, like Kaylee and I are really trying to cut back right now because we have the additional expense of, of paying a mortgage mm-hmm. yeah. and rent at the same time. Well, and you survived inflation. So I would say that that's a win. Chalk that Thank up you. in the win category. You're spending the same <laughs> amount of money. Everything's yeah. cost. Uh, everything costs more. Uh, yeah. You know, like ten percent or more. Like those double-digit inflation numbers are are not just an American phenomenon. 
Yeah, for sure. Okay, so there was kind of a replacement or a, a conversation of a replacement for NHR for certain categories of people or a certain category of person. Can you give us any information on that? Who might benefit from this new proposed um, yeah. regime? And, and bear in mind, once again, if you're listening to this, hopefully on the 19th uh, of October, well, you're not going to be listening to this on the 19th of October, but this was two weeks ago yeah. that, that this discussion began. But they're yeah. already forming up plans for for essentially an NHR 2.0. Mm-hmm. And the intent behind it in the conversation thus far, the intent is that they're going to circum they're, they're going to narrow the category of people that um, they grant. Qualify. Yeah. And they're going to narrow it to uh, people that are engaging in science, uh, as well as a number of other high value uh, professions and technology. Um, to enjoy the tax benefits instead of sort of like a, what was previously sort of like a catch-all category. Like mm-hmm. so many retirees could benefit from this. Now they're going to mainly be offering the benefit to people that are going to you know, materially benefit the uh, economic development of the country instead of you know, retirees. Okay. Thoughts on that? Uh, I still think that's a bad idea. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you want to have capital coming in. Uh, and they're just they're going to shoot themselves in the foot, I think, ultimately. Um, but as, as far as, you know, whether that's going to still benefit uh, a meaningful group of people that are coming in, for sure, it's it's going to benefit uh, a large crowd of people. And, uh, you know, those are the kind of people that need to be here uh, for the government from the government side and who are going to significantly benefit from the lifestyle here because they can usually work at a distance. OK. Fair enough. So for for people that are making in their retirement years, people that are making above, I think you said the 80K mark. Yeah. Yeah. Why might Portugal still be beneficial to them? Well, it'll it'll still be beneficial um, for all the reasons that I, I you know, personal reasons that I mentioned. Um non-financial. But, yeah, non-financial. But for financial purposes, they're they're definitely gonna have to stack stack their their personal deck more thoughtfully. Okay. And that, that's a big part of this problem, right? Is just people assume that they had 10 years to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And and now it's like homework is due in two months. Yeah. <laughs> that book report. Yeah. You had I, all summer. Yeah. To work yeah. On. Yeah. You had all that all that time to work on it. And then they're like, Josh, oh, by the way, school's starting a month early. Mm. Right. And so you're like, Jeez. I did not even read the book. I didn't even read this thing. And that's the way a lot of people are feeling, is, is they're like, yeah. you know, they're they're having this dropped in their lap like in a in a minute. And so they are. It is possible to curb some of the um, negative consequences of this mm-hmm. um, by being smart about how you you do things. Um, you know, like you're going to have to be really thoughtful about how you capture gains in those uh, in in your investment accounts. You know, um, like structuring I, things pre-move. Yeah, if you if you can, that's always been true. Um, that it's going to be better to structure pre-move. But whereas before, pre-move, um, well, the, the move didn't necessarily present you with a new situation because NHR yeah. gave you a 10-year blanket you could swaddle yourself in. Uh-huh. Now, you're going to have to get like, right into the game the minute that you're here. So okay. yeah, so you really want to think about like how your company in the U.S. is structured before you come over and how you take your, your income from you know, whatever your foreign company is if you're self-employed. Okay. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of things that you're going to have to contemplate. Uh, that you may not have had to before. 
Are there any things that we haven't touched on that when you have like personal consultations that people bring up that, that we need to kind of work through and talk about now? I guess, um, not to take away the secret sauce of, of the special sauce of what happens in, in those <laughs> one-on-one meetings, because, you know, if you're serious about making a move to Portugal, you should really consider talking to John. I mean, he does fantastic work. We have a ton of viewers who have come back and given us feedback. Uh, the producer, Dan has met with you and had a, a very enlightening conversation about kind of what his financial position is and, and how he and his wife are going to be able to structure their, um, their retirement and preparation for retirement, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know why I chuckle is it's like, ah, that, that feels sort of like when somebody asks you like, what about food could be good or bad and give us like a concise answer, please. <laughs> because everybody's plan is so uh, dramatically different from everybody else. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, this person has like a, you know, a tech company uh, that yeah. they want to wind down and they want to sell it. And, uh, they want to figure out like how to reduce their tax hit. And so that's, that's a, that's a person, you know, okay. there's the, there's the restaurateur, there's uh real estate investors, right? Like you're talking about like your real estate investment. Um, and if you're investing in domestic real estate in the United States, before this happened, you could basically rely on the fact that it was going to be, it was going to be tax free mm. completely for 10 years, right? Yep. It's for, foreign income from an immovable property, totally tax free. And mm -hmm. so now it's not so much. And so we have to factor in what the new tax rate uh, will be on that. I mean, it just goes, there's just so many different kinds of situations. And then the interactive effects, right? Like yeah. somebody coming over that's like, I have a, you know, there's a guy that I'm helping right now that has long COVID and he has Medicare, mm -hmm. you know, supplements. Um, and it's, it's an early form of Medicare supplement. And we're figuring out whether he's going to continue to qualify for that. And if so, whether that benefit's going to be taxed here. Okay. So financial planning is like, it's an interesting profession because it's always investigatory. Every person has got yeah. like a, a curious sort of set of uh, circumstances. And um, it's, it's never exactly, you know, it's, it's, it's intuitive, but, but, but the end results can be a little bit different from, first, from person to person. How best can someone then prepare if they're trying to get in before the deadline? How best can someone prepare to to do that? Oh boy! Well, ahead of the deadline, your days are numbered, right? <laughs> so, yep. uh, if you so the the problem with getting in under the deadline is, is you have to have two things. You have to have a visa that's already been verified, and you must also be a tax resident in 2023. And to be a tax resident, you have to have uh, your primary home. Uh, already registered with the finances office with their with their you know their financial authorities as here, mm. so you better have like most of your ducks in a row already, and that's okay. why people are so mad because if you don't, then you're going to have to take some really um, <laughs> evasive actions, evasive maneuvers now. Mm. And okay. there's there's like a firm that I know that that uh, we've both talked to, Zev Fisher over at Fresh, and yeah, you can his, shout him out. Yeah, he's these he's. he's he's a pretty smart dude. Um, and again, like they have been overactive uh, in the last few weeks trying to come up with solutions and they've yep. got one, which yep. is that you can really expedite this process. In a, in, and I don't want to explain it because they do a much better job of it. Same. You, you've got to take, <laughs> you've got to take some special actions to get yes. considered for this year. Um, and if you don't, you're, you're, you're just going to have to deal with the cards as they, as they fall out. Okay. 
I appreciate that. Um, can we get into just a moment of speculation before we wrap up? Yeah, I love speculating. Okay. It's, a, it's so much fun. So. so in Spain, they had the David Beckham rule, right? The Beckham rule, I think maybe it wasn't David Beckham, but the Beckham rule where they, they essentially had to walk back this, um, this special uh, tax regime for foreigners. Yeah. And they reinstituted what is similar to the NHR. And it was about a, a two, three-year gap. Do you think that the same is going to happen in Portugal? And the reason I ask that is because if there is someone who's planning on moving to Portugal in 25, 26, or 27, uh, do we just tell those people, stay the course, let's see how this all plays out? What do you think? If I was to speculate, I'd say for sure yes. I mean, this, this is the sort of thing that happens in politics all the time. You know, there's some tax cuts in the U.S. that expire. You know, the current administration wants to earn some some brownie points, so they they keep it going. You know, and then you know you you basically see them turn around after the the election happens and and change course completely. And I would say that that is as likely, if not more likely, here in Portugal, uh, because the current administration, the the the, the Bloc Esquerda, um, is really working hard to 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 keep keep their their office. Um, but the word on the street is that they're they're probably not long for it, and and they're not popular. And so the newer administration that comes in are going to have to come right back in with a fiery, like let's get let's get things growing sort of statement. <laughs> and then so they're going to offer the incentives back again. You know, I I just it has to happen right because they 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 need to remain competitive. Like I yeah. know advisors in Italy and Greece that are already starting to say, come to Italy and Greece. They're better. <laughs> and I have a little competitive spirit. And I'm like, no, well, thank you very much. But, you know, the game's not over for Portugal yet. And because yeah. and, they're not wrong. They're pointing out a dynamic which is going to hurt Portugal. It's just like everyone else is going to have their, their competitive edge. Yeah. Like, so these politicians here are going to see that happen. And mm. then, like, politics always does. Like, they go, okay, kids. Like, let's, let's go back, though, to, to everybody being happy. Mm. Um, on the other side of things, which is to offer incentives to get more money and more jobs, et cetera, coming to Portugal. Yep. Awesome. And I don't mean this to sound biased to the listener, but let's make our case for Portugal. Because if you're comparing Portugal to Italy, to Greece, even Spain, or Cyprus gets shouted out, Malta gets shouted out, especially for like entrepreneurs, why Portugal over those places? You know, they're great places, man. I, I'm, I am honestly uh, proud of being pretty... I mean, as a financial advisor, I can't lead people to believe things that aren't true. Sure. Those other countries are pretty awesome. Yeah. Like, I have a client who lives in Italy, and their tax regime is about the same as Portugal's. Like, I was literally talking tax to... Regime. Yeah, their regular tax regime. I was talking to an mm -hmm. Italian accountant just mm -hmm. this morning, and mm -hmm. Enrico was telling me, you know, remember, John, your your client here in Italy has a twenty six percent flat tax on capital gains. Mm -hmm. It's twenty eight percent in Portugal. Yeah, whether you have NHR or not. Yep. Okay, so like, you know, six in one hand, half dozen in the other. Yeah. Like Greece has actually been really coming up recently, um, after what had been like a terrible decade uh, of yeah. you yeah. know of of financial mismanagement and stagnation. Oh, yeah. yeah. it sucks to be a Greek. Except yeah. now, like things are coming back for Greece too. And so, mm -hmm. you know, the rest of the so-called pigs, uh, I hate that uh, acronym, but let's throw that out. Portugal, Italy, Greece, Spain, you know, they call them the pigs. Mm -hmm. 
It, and and it was Ireland before Ireland it, turned it around. Right. And Ireland turned it around too. Mm-hmm. And and Ireland actually brought it on, uh, brought on a lot of their recovery through what? Through stimulative tax regimes that brought companies like Apple to, right. to Ireland. And so yeah, how weird is that, right? Like all of these countries have had to get some stimulus going, bring bring business in, yeah. increase the tax a little bit after the business is in. You know, the trap is set, you get the businesses in, you get the you get the money in, and then you can raise taxes, but you can't you can't kill the golden goose yep. to, to mix metaphors here midstream. You can't kill it. So I think to speculate, they're gonna have to you, they're gonna have to keep the parade going. Yeah. And that's why they're already talking about this this NHR 2.0. Like this is not all happening in a vacuum. That there's right. gonna there's gonna be some give back and there's gonna be some cut and thrust here on the on the on the market, just like there always is anywhere in the world. Yeah. So. Cool. John, thanks for joining me today. And listener, if you want to get in touch with John, we've got his information in the show notes. So you can chat with him about your financial plan. If you don't have a financial plan, get one. John can help you out. Uh, do a consultation, one-on-one consultation with him. You can use our special link. And we appreciate you listening. John, really appreciate you coming on and and having a wild chat with me today. Yeah. Thanks, Super man. fun jo- job having these chats all week and uh, always great to come and talk with you. Let's talk with Kaylee next time too. All right. It sounds good. All right, man. Take care. All right. You too. Bye. So listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal. We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up. And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the digital nomad visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the digital nomad or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off. So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on. And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date. Well, I have to because they're always changing things and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials, and if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere Presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions. Expats Everywhere researches our guests, and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts. 